Thank you, Brother Terry. Well, if you brought your copy of God's Word, please turn to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. We want to look at a couple of verses from the book of Ecclesiastes. This morning I want to share with you a sermon that I've entitled, My Revolution for 2014. This past week, we began a new year, 2014. Listen to God's word, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And we want to look at verse 4 and 5, perhaps a passage you've read before. God's word says, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. In other words, God's word says that if you make a vow unto God and you don't keep that vow, then God considers you a fool. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than thou shouldest vow and not pay. Past Wednesday, we entered into a new year, 2014. As years in the past, people began to make New Year's resolutions. They promised themselves that they will lose weight. Anybody make that promise besides, thank you, Terry, I see that hand. The rest of them are embarrassed to raise theirs. I heard about this guy that his wife walked by and he was standing on the scale in the bathroom and he was sucking in, sucking in, and going out, sucking in. And she made the statement. She says, You know that don't help. He said, Yes, it does. I can see the scale now. <laughs> I kind of related to that. Make resolutions, lose weight, that's the first one. I don't go the whole year, though, I'll tell you that. I'll just short-term lose weight. <laughs> Stop smoking, that's a good one. Reading the Bible, go to church, you can go to church more. You know, Webster defines a resolution as a resolving and then a determining. And third, he says, a decision as to future activities. Resolutions make people feel good about themselves. It makes us feel good to make promises concerning what we want to do or what we want to stop. Feel good about it. The problem with resolutions is they're soon forgotten. Maybe in a week, a few days, maybe, then a week or a month. Very few resolutions are followed through for an entire year. And so we really don't need to make resolutions. We need to have revolution. Webster defines revolution as a complete radical change of any kind. 
or an overthrow of a government with another government's system taking its place. Revolution is what Christians need to have in the body of Christ. Now let me explain before you go out and tell everyone that Brother Samuel said we need a revolution. When I mention we need a revolution, we need to dethrone ourselves. We need to put self out of power and yield ourselves to the rightful Lord of Lord and the King of Kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you have more power over your life today than Christ does, you need a revolution. You need to dethrone self and put Christ in his rightful position. If you haven't submitted to the lordship of Christ, you need a revolution. A total overthrow of our lives until they're brought under the subjection and absolute authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we have a challenging year before us as a faith family. I honestly feel that 2011 brought us the test, and 2014 has brought us the challenge. Now, we're going to be challenged this year as a faith family. We're going to be challenged in a number of ways. We're going to be challenged in our stewardship. We're going to be challenged in evangelism. We're going to be challenged in missions. We're going to be challenged in discipleship training. We're going to even be challenged to some degree in church administration. And a general, generic resolution won't meet that challenge. It's going to take more than just a generic resolution. This year calls for a supernatural revolution in our personal lives. So today, here's the question. Are you ready to meet the challenge? Are you ready to meet the challenge of 2014? Now, I've already shared with you how we're going to be challenged, and believe me, we're going to be challenged in every one of those areas that I've mentioned, perhaps some others, before the year is up. And so we have a choice, and that choice is a resolution, like to lose weight, read my Bible more, go to church, or go to church more, or we can choose a revolution in our own personal lives where we get serious with God to the point of dethroning ourselves and yielding the throne of our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, the rightful owner of our lives, who purchased us not with silver or gold, but with his own blood. He is the Lord of Lords, Philippians 2. He is the King of Kings, Revelation 20. And if you and I are willing to have a revolution in 2014, we'll be perhaps beginning the greatest year in the history of our church. But that's what it'll take. Now, for that to come about, 
three things are needed. First of all, some will need a revolution, a change in their relationship with God. See, at, at this time, some of you perhaps are at enmity with God. Um, you're apart from God. Listen to what Psalm 66 Verse 6 says, Psalm 66, the Bible says, verse 18, I'm sorry, Psalm 66, verse 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, then the Lord will not hear me. Some will need a, a revolution in their relationship with God because right now some of you may be at enmity with God. Listen to Isaiah 59, verse 2. Isaiah 59, verse 2. Isaiah says, But your iniquities, your sins, have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear you. Now, Isaiah is simply saying, and the psalmist is saying, if I have unconfessed sin in my life, then God's not going to hear my prayer. And so for me to have a successful year in 2014, then I'm going to have to have a revolution in my relationship with God. The point being, this morning, some of you need to be reconciled with God. You need to understand that if you're not a friend of God, you're at enmity with God. You're an enemy of God. You've rebelled against God. You've rejected God. You curse God. You ignore God. You deny God. You fight against God. And that's been an enemy of God. So the question comes up, well, how can I be reconciled with God? Well, as a lost person, a lost sinner, first of all, you realize that you're a sinner. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You realize, secondly, that salvation and forgiveness can be found only in the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. And so we realize that our salvation is through Christ. That God sent his Son into the world. Not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so as a lost person today, you need a revolution in your life that will change your relationship with Christ from that of being an enemy of God to that of being a friend to God. And not only for the lost person, but for the Christian, as a Christian who's separated from God because of unconfessed sins. How do I get my life back like it should be? It's real simple. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you need a revolution in your life, perhaps as a Christian, in your relationship with the Lord. Because of unconfessed sin. So in order to be used of God in 2014, I need a revolution in my life, perhaps, that'll change my relationship with God. 
as a lost person to a child of God. As a, a sinner that's, that has unconfessed sin to a, to a safe person that can communicate openly with God. But secondly, I jotted down, some may need a revolution in regards to service. Now let me ask you a question. Why do you do what you do, quote, for the Lord? Why do you do that? Well, first of all, if your work is a tool in order to be saved, you're going to be sorely disappointed one day. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved, through faith. It's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so if you do what you do for the Lord or for the church, in order to be saved, you're going to be disappointed one day. You're going to miss heaven. And if your work for the Lord is to is to relieve some kind of inward guilt of past sins or a present sin, you're going to be disappointed one day. Or, if you serve the Lord because you've been saved and you realize that God has gifted you with with at least one or perhaps many spiritual gifts and natural abilities and you've dedicated those to to the glory of God and to the advancement of the kingdom of God then you realize that you really don't need that revolution in regards to service in your life. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And if it's not for that reason, you do what you do, then you need a spiritual revolution in regards to serving God. So in order for God to use us like never before in 2014, there must be a revolution in our relationship, there must be a revolution in our service, and then there must be a revolution, a change in our stewardship. Now I mentioned to you at the very beginning in the introduction that we're going to be challenged in many ways in 2014. And I mentioned stewardship. I list, even listed that as the first challenge, because I believe it is. Now, in order for us to meet our obligation in 2014, we must, we must experience a revolution in our giving. Now, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying first that God's people will be able to have a job. I'm praying that. I pray for you. I pray that, that, that those without employment will be able to have a job, and those that have jobs will be able to keep their jobs. And I'm praying for you in regards to employment. But I'm praying also that, our, that God's people will be obedient in our in our giving, in our tithing, in our offering. I'm praying that your giving will be brought under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Remember the revolution? That your giving, my giving, 
would be brought under the lordship of Jesus Christ and that you'll give as unto the Lord. You see, the tithe is God's financial plan to finance the ministry of the church. And I just pray that we'll be obedient in our giving of our tithes and our offerings. Now, let me share some facts I know about this based on God's Word. I know this to be a fact, that God is faithful to His Word. I know that for a fact. I know for a fact that God keeps His promises. I know that. And I know for a fact that God cannot lie. I know that. Now with that in mind, look at Malachi chapter 3. And let's look at verse 8 through 10. As we think about a revolution in our giving. Malachi 3 verses 8 through 10. Books right before the book of Matthew. Malachi was having the same problem that we find in churches today. He says in verse 8, Will a man rob God? Who would ever think about a person robbing God? Would you rob God? He said, of course I wouldn't rob God. I would steal from God. Will a man rob God? He says, but yet God says, you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? And he answers, in your tithes and your offerings. And then he says this, because of that, you are cursed with a curse. Because you've robbed me. You ever thought that perhaps some difficult times that you go through may be just a curse because you've robbed God? And he said, not only you, but he said, this whole nation has robbed me. Now, I mentioned some things that I know for a fact, that God is faithful to his word, that God keeps his promises, and that God cannot lie. Look at verse 10. He says this, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. Provision. And prove me, I underline that word, prove. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. He says, I want you to prove me. I want you to test me. You bring your tithes into the storehouse and you prove me. And you test me if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall be room enough, not be room enough for you to receive it. I just believe that. I believe it because God's faithful to his word. I believe it because he keeps his promises. I believe it because he cannot lie. And I believe it because I've experienced it. Now, God wants to challenge you as we begin 2014. And God challenges you to prove him 
wrong. Malachi 3 verse 10. Prove me wrong. I was talking to a guy. And I won't mention the denomination. But he said, we don't believe in tithing at our church. And I said, really? He said, no, nah, we, we don't believe that. I said, I can tell you why. He said, why? I said, because you never have tithed before. I promise you, when you tithe and give like God commands us to, and prove him and test him, you'll be blessed. And God challenges you to trust him. He says, to prove me. This is his challenge to us, individually. And I will promise you, God says, that I'll open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you won't have room to receive. God says, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse. And he gives a command for our well-being to decide whether to be obedient or disobedient. Now let me give you a heads up. You might just want to jot down maybe a note for 2014. I have people to come up to me and they'll say, well, I wish you a happy New Year's and, and I pray this will be a prosperous New Year. You heard them say that? Prosperous New Year. This just a heads up. Whether you and I will have a prosperous year in 2014 or we'll have a pauper year in 2014 will depend on what we do with Malachi 3.10. Get no amen. So in order to be used of God in 2014, there must be a revolution in changing our relationship with God, either those that are lost or Christians who have unconfessed sins. To be used, we have to have a revolution in our service. We have to have a revolution in our stewardship. And then we have to have a revolution, I'll close with this, in our Bible study. Now, I've noticed that a number of people have come to a conclusion that they don't need organized small group Bible study. Now, they'll come perhaps and they'll get all they need for the week with a 30-minute sermon. But if you want to pattern your life after Jesus, now if I ask each one of you individually, you tell me you're going to do that. You'll never pattern your life after Jesus and miss a small group Bible study. Because when you find Jesus at a very young age, he was in the temple listening, reading, asking questions of the scribes to the point that his parents even lost him because he was in the temple. If there ever is a pattern for a small group Bible study, Jesus set the pattern. Now, I may be preaching to 
the choir, quote, unquote. But if you study the life of Jesus, you're going to find him in the temple listening and studying and asking questions about the scriptures. And you're telling me that you don't need it. Well, if you tell me that, then you need a revolution in Bible study. And that's why we don't know how to raise our children. That's how we don't know how to build our marriage. Because we don't know what the Word of God says. You going to be successful in 2014? Are we as a church going to be successful? It'll depend on whether we have just a resolution, just a little generic reformation, reform some way, or we have a total revolution change where we dethrone ourselves on the throne of our life and we enthrone the Lord in his rightful position and find ourselves under the lordship of Jesus Christ. It's going to be an interesting year. It'll be interesting not because what God will do or not do, but what his people are willing to do. See, he works through his people. We're his arms. We reach out and minister to people. We're his legs. We go in foreign countries and tell them about the gospel. We're his mouth. We share the gospel. We're his eyes. We look to the future and look for his coming. It all depends on what we do. I'm not worried about what God does. I know what God will do. But he uses his people. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to come into your presence as we prepare for our coming year. And Lord, for us to have the year that you intend us to have, help us, Lord, not just to have resolutions, but help us to have a revolution in our own spiritual lives, major change. We can call it a revolution. We can call them resolutions. But I believe you referred to it primarily in Ecclesiastes. You're speaking of a sacred vow that we make. And so when we walk down an aisle perhaps or sit in a room somewhere and we ask you to come into our lives and save us, we may not be aware of this, but we committed ourselves to you then. And we made a sacred vow to you then that we would follow you, that we would serve you, and if need be, we'd even die for you. Remind us of that vow we made on whatever day that was, whatever year that was in our life. I pray for every person here today, especially those who have never trusted Christ, May they begin this new year as the Holy Spirit draws them to the Savior, Jesus Christ. May they be willing to come today to say, Brother Sammy, I want to be saved. And Father, as your Spirit draws them, I pray that they'll be willing to come. As Christians here today, help us to make this a day that we renew our commitment to you and that we have a supernatural revolution in our lives in one or more ways than I've mentioned this morning. Thank you for what you're going to do because of your people being obedient. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name.
Amen.